and welcome to episode number 60 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It's Jason Martinez at Jason Mert on Twitter and Russ Cohen at Sportsology on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Stick to Hockey Pod and also make sure you give Russ's uh, website a check out because it's fabulous. Sportsology.com. What's going on, Russell? Hey, not much, not much. Just uh, hockey season. Uh, I did just put up an interview with Alberto Del Rio, former WWE champion, so people could check that out. So you're not just a hockey guy. You're a, you're like a, a serious journalist. I'm not a serious journalist. I, I like, I, I, I'm sort of like one of the guys from like Why World of Sports. While hockey is my favorite sport and baseball close second, you know, I'll talk to anybody if I think it's interesting. Well, there you go. If you can find an interesting angle, you play it out. I love it. Yeah. Again, sportsology.com. So episode 60, you got a 60, Russ, player that wore 60? No, I don't. I got Marcus Granlund with Vancouver. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the Marcus Granlund episode. There you go. That works. I'm sure his parents will be happy. Well, somebody will. <laughs> um, we got a ton to get into. We're going to get into a lot of flyer stuff. The quarter poll of the NHL season was last night. 332 games represents uh, what they've played so far this year, Russ. And that is one quarter of the total schedule around uh, 31 teams in 82 games. So we're at the quarter poll. So we're going to deliver some quarter poll awards, see how we did with our preseason predictions. Okay. Also, uh, we're going to grade out some Flyers players, a lot of them, at the quarter poll, including the coach and general manager as well. And we're going to get a couple of Hall of Fame things. This Hall of Fame ceremonies were this past week. Uh, did you get a chance to check it out? Not as much as I normally do. What was kind of the highlight for you or the highlight person going in? I mean, Guy Carboneau was one of those guys that was like one of those great 200-foot players. I was happy to see him get in. Yeah, I mean, I was a big Sergei Zubov fan. I, I was a big Ranger fan, was happy when they won the Cup. Zubov and Leach on that power play were just tremendous. Zuboff also on Dallas, tremendous. So hey, I'm a big Zuboff fan. Yeah, he was tremendous. He was a great player. He really was. Uh, great at both ends as well. So we'll yep. get into that as well. And we got a couple of uh, Hall of Fame categories where you and I fill out our top three, but they're not actually Hall of Fame categories. We're going to do the Hall of, if there was just for fighters, not fighters that could score, but fighters that fought and that's it. We're going to give our top three fighter Hall of Famers and our, our top three crap talkers. In the history of the game, I got a great list, so we'll see yeah, if like you it. agree. Um, we're going to get to Johnny Gaudreau in a minute, but we got to start with the biggest news around the NHL, and that's uh, one of my bold preseason predictions was Mike Babcock would be the first coach fired in the, in the NHL, and it came to fruition yesterday when Kyle Dubas finally made the move. What was your thoughts when uh, when you saw the news that it finally went down? I wasn't completely blindsided. I I knew this year would be the year he get fired, and I thought he'd have till. American Thanksgiving, but they didn't give him that. They gave him till like just past Canadian Thanksgiving. He he sort of was like the captain of the Titanic. You know that that captain just kept ramming through the icebergs, hoping for the right result, and instead he sunk. And Mike Babcock sunk. I uh, you know it's good to believe in yourself, and like he said the other day, I believe in Mike Babcock. But I always say if you use your third person for yourself to describe yourself, you're in trouble. I never really believed what Babcock was selling this year. And he started really doing a lot of cliches. Matter of fact, him and Vigneault started talking about the process the other day when they wanted to get, to, when they wanted to deflect losing streaks. And and so I, when I heard that, I was like, eh, that's not good. He's playing guys like Nick Shore. He was scratching Spezza every night for a while until injuries made that impossible. I just felt like the players were tuning him out. And that's not to say they weren't playing hard, 
it's just his message was getting tuned out. I think it's old for this league. I think when he gets his next job, he's going to have to change it a little bit or you're going to get the same results. Like you can't have two skill lines, two grind lines, a guys with a lot of a lot of size. It's not all going to work. If you have big fast guys, hey, that's great. But if you don't have that, you still have to mix it up and you still have to have more scoring than not. Yeah, and and Kyle Dubas is an analytical driven general manager and it- Mike Babcock was never buying into that. And you know this, Ross. You've been around this game in sports a long time. When the players know that the coach is on shaky ground, then there's a problem. And yeah. it's human nature. They're going to lose respect for the voice. And that's why you got to make a move immediately because where they are in the standings right now is not good. They're in a really precarious position. When you look at the standings right now, they're, it, I always look at it, Russ. We do this all the time. They've played 23 games. They've won nine. Yeah, they're nine, ten, and four. So really, they're what they're nine and fourteen. And yep. how about this stat? Uh, they've lost games in regulation ten times. Yeah, it's it's unacceptable. I mean, I get their defense isn't the greatest, and Dubis didn't have the greatest off season. I, I get all those things, but end of the day, there were there was more that Babcock can do. I'm sorry, with, eight times. I want to get that right. Okay. There, there was more backpack can do with younger players, with other things that he just bristled against. And the other part was, like we knew at the end of the year press conference last year, I said right after that press conference, those two don't get along. Mm-hmm. So players knew that coming into this year. So you're right about that. Yeah, no question. And it's interesting because like they're only two points out of a wild card spot in the East, but they've played more games than just about anybody. So Dubas does the math on that equation and goes, okay, I got to make a move now because I can't wait any longer. Because if the whole, when you see a listless team out there like that, and I know they're dealing with injuries, everybody does. But when you see that, you got to make a move because that market is going bananas right now. Oh, yeah. Well, they got their head, so it's on the players now. Well, it's... They're not saying that. I mean, they're saying the fans are saying it's on Dubis more than the players. Well, good for them because that's education. Because he's he's constructed a point when they went after Tavares, and I get why you do. And then you have to re-sign Marner, and you have Matthews, and you got to re-sign Nylander, and he had the holdout last year till December first, and uh, Kasperi Kapitan. Where's your back end? And Tyson Barry's been just a mess, and apparently he was going to ask for a trade out of there if, if uh, Babcock remained. Well, we kind of figured that that was going to happen. I had talked about that on other shows. People had brought that up. But again, if you use Barry correctly, you'll get better results. Yeah. Getting well, you had a Muzzle stubborn head a coach. Trade. Sorry? You had a really stubborn head coach in Babcock. Yeah. Getting Jake Muzzin was a good trade. I felt like they used him better last year. So I, there's a lot that could be changed. There really is. Yeah, and they're going to have to change it immediately, and we'll see. A lot of times when a new coach comes in, the, the good result doesn't come immediately. So we'll see what Sheldon Keefe is able to accomplish with the, uh, with Toronto. Now, one thing uh, that went out last week, um, a, a member of The Athletic uh, that covers uh, the Calgary Flames wrote a story about Johnny Gaudreau and that the Flames maybe should consider moving him. And then I saw uh, Elliot Friedman from uh, Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, his 31 thoughts this week, um, mentioning Gaudreau as well said he'd be astonished, essentially, if Calgary traded him and his value's a little bit lower. He's got a 12.5% uh, shooting percentage this year, or in his, historically, this year at 7.8%. Drew's number, or uh, excuse me, Gaudreau's numbers this year, not great. 24 games, 5 goals, 13 assists, 18 points. But 
a lot of people started putting things together and going, well, Gaudreau, he's a local guy from the Philadelphia area. He's mentioned that he wants to play here at some point in his career. Flyers go and get him. So all the trade scenarios have been tweeting out. Send Voracek and a two and get Gaudreau. You know, your yeah. thoughts on Gaudreau. I don't think Bradtree Living's going to trade him. I think it was just a suggestion by a writer. But that's not to say that could change and they maybe will consider trading him down the line. A team that had 107 points last year. Where are you at on Gaudreau? Well, I hate to say this, but if he wasn't short and if he wasn't an American, I don't even think the article would have been written. I don't. They didn't write it about Monaghan, did they? No. No. No, and Monaghan's numbers are equal. Five right. goals, 13 assists. Right. And that's my point. So there is a little bias here. So I think there's zero credibility to it. I don't think the Flyers should try and do it because I don't think they can afford to do it. I think they'll give up too much. I think it would take, like every Flyers fans like you, they're like, oh, well, let's give him Gosta Spear and Voracek. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Tree Living is Stevie Wonder, I guess. Yeah, he's not doing that. He's going to ask for Sanheim and Konechny, and then they're going to start from there, right? So I don't think the Flyers should do it. I don't think it's going to happen. I know we'll probably mention you know, Bobby Ryan's situation later, but he never came here. And look how many years he's been in the league. So just stop. Yeah, and please don't go get Bobby Ryan. No, no. <laughs> you no, know what I mean? But, but you get my point. It's just basically how many years had that been talked about? Yeah. No, you're right. And we, this city in Philadelphia in particular falls in love with guys that are playing elsewhere that are from here, like Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah. No, it's right to love Mike Trout because he's the best player in baseball. But Mike uh, Trout basically told you with his last contract – he doesn't want to play here. He just likes it here, and he likes going to Eagles games. He doesn't want to invite that pressure. I don't blame him. Yeah, and with his new contract, he was able to build a wing on his house and put all the game balls that everybody gives him when they score. <laughs> right. He's got enough already. Stop giving him game balls. <laughs> all right? He can buy one on eBay. Um, a, a guy DM me, Matt Conran. Do you, do you, and, wait, hold on. Do you want a game ball, Jason? Is this the problem? I do not want a game ball. Okay. <laughs> so if Louis Aguiar actually caught a touchdown and gave you a game ball, would you take it? Nelson Aguilar? I'd, I'd Nelson faint. Aguilar, sorry. Yeah, I'd faint if he caught one. You know who Louis Aguiar was a, was a punter for the Jets, I think, back in the day. I do know that. Good job yeah. out of you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Matt Conran tweeted me or DM'd me and said, uh, for, for Johnny Gaudreau, Ratcliffe, York, JVR, and two first-round picks for Johnny Hockey. <laughs> okay, so as an example – if you give them a first-round pick from this year and the Flyers bottom out, you will get destroyed in that trade. It might be a, it could be a lot, you know, a top pick in a lottery. Right. Yeah, and that's just too much to give up. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much to give up. Okay, so let's move on from Johnny Gaudreau. Unless we get more smoke around that fire, we'll kind of move on from that. All right, yeah. so we're at the quarter pole of the season, and we're going to get to our quarter pole awards in a minute. But let's get into the Flyers real quick because uh, they're sitting right now in wild card position number two, which is insane to me when you consider the erratic you know, play that they've had so far this season. And right now they're, they're riding another cold streak, although they seem to get points. There's so many overtime and shootout games this year in the NHL. It's insane. But right now, essentially, they're riding a four-game losing streak. Two of those they lost in the shootout. The other two straight up, Ottawa and Florida. Uh, but that being said, they are the second wild card right now in the Eastern Conference. Right? Uh, they are 21 games in, 10-7-4, and four, 24 points. They are minus two in goal differential. So this team at the quarter pole, what's your assessment of them at the quarter pole? And are you shocked that they are where they are in the standings? I am not shocked. I thought they'd be a bubble team. 
To me, they're a classic bubble team. To me, they're like an NHL 500 team. Like they've scraped out a few extra points. So you could say, well, Russ, they're, they're better than that. Fine. But they're not much better than that. And they're not any good on the road. I see such a difference in the way they play on the road than they do at home. It's unbelievable how freewheeling the passing gets better. Everything gets better at home instantly from the moment the game starts on the road. Different story, man. Yeah, you and I text the beginning of every road game. It's like, well, there's the Flyers road team showing up tonight, 10 minutes yeah. late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. It's amazing. They just get smothered in the first five minutes on the road. And a lot of times you, you can't weather that storm. And now you're now you're playing catch up and you're behind the eight ball in a game. It's it's, it's And nuts. it's affected Carter Hart. It has affected him. Yeah, because he needs to feel it early and right. get in the rhythm of a game. If a lot he doesn't of get in the rhythm, forget it. And that's what you're seeing now. Yeah, well, Carter Hart, speaking of it, he got pulled again the other night, third time this year. Elliott comes in in that game. Carter Hart gave up four goals, including the one off his head um, it, from below the goal line. But Elliott comes in and shuts the door again. He's been like their MVP. He is the team MVP. Uh, he's used to playing without defense. Let's face it, for most of his career, he hasn't had it. So well, in St. Louis he did. Yeah, St. Louis he did. Yeah. But but how many years was that? Three? Yeah, I think three with Hitch. And he had a, a good success there, good playoff runs. Yeah. But other than that, he's been playing for a while without defense, without great defense. And you know what? He's gotten used to it. And you can see it. Nothing bothers him. You're going to still see a bad goal, like every goal he does it. But these situations that he's put in don't bother him at all. Yeah, he's the perfect guy to be in a tandem with a young goalie, too. Are you ready to yeah. admit that I was incredibly right about making him the tandem with uh, Carter Hart only after yeah. a quarter of this season? Yeah, I'll admit that, yeah. Oh, man, that was easy. Um, real quick, that goal by Carter Hart from below the goal line that he gave up. Yeah. When you saw that go in, what was your immediate reaction? Did you go, bad goal, great shot. What was your reaction to that goal going in? Veteran shot, rookie kind of mistake. Okay. And what was the mistake? Basically, what from what I believe, you have to have your head higher, when, because guys aim for that. Mm -hmm. Guys try and do that when they're behind you. So I, I'm, I if, and you can tell me you're the goalie expert. I believe he should have had his head higher, and he should have been more towards the corner. Ang his body angle a little bit his more. His body angle, yes. yeah. See, that's a that's great. That's a great observation because I do agree with that part of it. So a lot of people tweeted me after that because I put out that that, that is a bad goal because anytime you give up anything below the goal line or along the goal line, it's a bad goal. It shouldn't go in, right? Yeah. Um, then they questioned the save selection, which was a, a glove side RVH, a standard mm -hmm. glove side RVH. There's a hybrid RVH too where you can kind of get your glove up and it can be active. Now, the problem with being in the reverse VH, on the, especially on that glove side, is you are locked on the pipe seal. Right. At his, and his right leg is almost parallel to the goal line. So I agree with you. Had he rotated his right leg out to like, I don't know, just 45 degrees, yeah. then he has an ability to move his head in that direction to block right. that as well. Right. I think his head is where it is just because that's the positioning. Yeah, I know. I agree. And that's what I was trying to get across. Yeah. And, and the thing is about it too, people go, well, he shouldn't be down. He should be on his edges there. You know, I hate when these goalies are always down. Well, they see those bad goals that happen like that. And that's like one out of a... One out of 200 where that happens, where they right. pick that spot. But what you don't see is the amount of saves that are made that look routine because he's playing that style and playing and using that save selection and anything below the goal line. I, I mean, when I grew up, everybody was a stand-up goalie. 
There were very few or no butterfly goalies. And so they rarely went down unless things just went horribly bad. Yeah, but how many wraparound goals did they give up because they gave oh, the pipe seal? Yep. A and ton. you don't see that anymore because guys just no, seal it. Right. You don't see that as much anymore, but guys do go down a lot for that reason. Like, yep. but they also slide across the crease. Like, they do a lot of other things to make up for it. They did. Yeah, no question. And, and those those passes that come from below the goal line to in those high danger areas, yeah. you, you're just taking away low because nine times out of 10, that, show, that shot on that one timer from the pass behind is going to be low. Oh, yeah. So you just take all that away. All right, let's get to some quarter pole grades for the Flyers. And I'll throw I'll throw names at you. You'll give out your grade. I'll give out my grade. Now, I want to let you know, I am grading this like a teacher. So I don't care. Are you certified you're... to do that? No. Okay. And neither are you. No. I, I, I'm saying it because I don't care if you're the oldest kid in my class or the youngest. You're all getting graded on the same curve. I'm grading that. As well, and I'm grading it not on based on what you get paid or what you've done in the league. I'm basing Correct. it on the 21 games you've played so far this season or some facsimile thereof. Right. All right, so let's start with a guy who was the big splash, not this offseason, but the prior, James Van Riemsdyk. Let me give you a little background. 21 games, four goals, five assists, nine points. His shooting percentage, I'll have to bring it up, but his shooting percentage is unbelievably low. He's had a lot of chances, Ross. He has. Uh, I have a book coming out next, early next year called Sticks and Stones. James Van Riemsdyk is in it. He was very gracious to be in it. I'm going to have to give him an E. And I feel bad, but he gets an E. And e, what does E stand for? Well, it's worse than D. A, B, C, D, E, and F, right? Those are the grades. You're clearly not a certified teacher because I never got an E in my life, and I would have I been in that area. Oh, I've gotten, I've gotten E's. I have. <laughs> All right, so you give James Van Riemsdyk an E. I would give him – I think that the shooting percentage eventually will come around for a guy like like James Van Riemsdyk. Um, he's gotten a ton of good chances, but I got to judge him on what's gone in, not what he hasn't buried and Correct. great saves. And four goals at this point in the season, for a guy oh. making that kind of money, I got to give him a D-. minus. Okay. And, and we had Michael on a couple weeks ago. He's actually said he's been good defensively, especially in the neutral zone. Yeah, I – I know he said that, and that's great, but he gets an awful lot of ice time, and he does have to produce. I don't even care what he's making, but he has to produce. Yeah, no question. Look, he's got nine points right now, and <laughs> nine points is not going to be good enough. And he'll get hot, but right now he's on pace for 16 goals. Like, I get it, but what if he gets 24 goals? It's not a great year. Yeah, you needed, you needed 30 out of him, though, didn't you? You do need 30. At the right time. I don't think he did it at the right time last year either. Yeah. Well, after that injury in, in the second game of the season, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I want to look at his uh, his shooting percentage this year real quick because uh, it's just stunning. Like, you know, when you look at, you know, what a guy shoots and so many chances, he's at 6.3% in his shooting percentage. Ooh. Last year, he was at 16.2, career 11.7. Yeah. I mean, whew, he's lower than his rookie year at 8.7. He had 15 goals that year. If this were kindergarten, he would get a frowning face. Yeah, okay, so he's not going to get a button. Um, all right, next player. Let's go to uh, another guy oft talked about, and that would be Jake Voracek. What's your grade? A D, because he has played a little better in his own end. He hasn't been a disaster there, but it's clearly taken away from his offense, and his creativity seems like nil at this point. 
Yeah, I think he's thinking on the ice in a big way. He is. You you can almost see it, and the fact that he's in, I guess conceivably the the coach's doghouse doesn't help him at all. It's right. almost paralyzing him a little bit. Now, on the year for, for Voracek, 21 games played, four goals, nine assists, 13 points. Power play number one, not good enough. No. I'm going D with you as well. All right, so we move on from Jake Voracek. Let's go to the recent offseason acquisition and the big contract handed out to the former Ranger and uh, very short-term Winnipeg Jet, Kevin Hayes. I'm going to give him a C. Four goals, four assists, and eight points and a minus nine. Because it's not all about points with him. He he does play some quote-unquote truculent hockey at times. He takes up a certain amount of space on the ice. He does cause some matchups for the other team. Could he be better? Absolutely. But right now I give him a C. Yeah, I'm, I'm at a C-plus with him actually just because of the penalty killing. Yep. He's a fantastic penalty killer. He is. And I think his game is he's the only threat on the team to score a shorthanded goal. I think he's got the only one, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and they actually have opportunities now to score shorthanded goals, which we haven't had since Mike Richards. Right. All right, so that's Kevin Hayes. Let's go to the leading scorer of the Flyers, Travis Konechny. 21 games played, 8 goals, 12 assists, 20 points on the season. He has been fantastic. Two power play goals, five power play assists, so seven of his points coming on the man advantage. But right now he's got 20 points, and that leads the team. He gets an A. and. He's doing everything you would want him to do, and then some. Like, he's a real leader on the ice, and and he leads by example because he, you could see when he is unhappy with a certain shift, and he'll come back like piss and vinegar on the next shift, and I like that. Yeah, I, I do too. Did you see the hit he laid the other night, by the way, yeah. on, uh, I forget who it was. That was like 220 pounds. Yeah. And he just dropped him. Yeah, I, I'm giving him actually an A-plus because... Okay. I didn't think he was going to be a point per game player this year, and he, well, he's not really technically because he's one one point under twenty yeah, yeah. games and twenty points. But still, that being said, and he was the guy that you and I both pointed to when they hired Vino and said he's the guy that's going to reap the most rewards yes. in Vino's system because he can skate and he skates his ass off. He does. Yeah, and he's having success. So let's stick with uh, uh, one of the guys, one of those RFAs, and let's go to a defenseman in Ivan Provorov. 21 games, four goals, nine assists, 13 points for Provi, and he's a minus one. 24 minutes and 24 seconds of ice time per game. And and that's why he's getting a B minus, because he plays so much that I can't fault him if he occasionally has a bad shift, because he's covering the other team's best, best players, and anybody can get winded on a shift when you're getting used that much. And he's filled in great at the point on the power play, because I've always said he gets it on net. And you know what? That's half the battle. So if he were the point guy for the rest of the year, I actually think it's better than Gosta Spear at the moment. Yeah. Other than the first game where they moved him on to PP one, yeah, where yeah. it looked really out of sync. Yeah. You're right. That's been that's been an area of strength for him. And he's had erratic moments this season. I, I talk about it all the time. I think he needs a shorter stick. I think I, he's got to go put Sam Moran's stick back in the rack and grab yeah. Ivan Provorov's stick, which is cut to the right height. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving him a B as well because you're exactly what you said. He's playing 24 minutes of ice a night. He he's still a young guy to yeah. be in that role, and he I, I mean for him to have 13 points at the quarter pole is pretty impressive. No, it's I mean, you extrapolate that it's a 52 point season for a defenseman. That's pretty good, and a no, guy who can defend. Yeah, 
So Provorov gets a B for me. Uh, let's go to the captain, Claude Giroux. He's had an erratic season as well. He's been called out by the head coaches, have many of these players. But Giroux in 21 games, five goals, eight assists, 13 points. He's a plus six, and he's playing 19 minutes and 28 seconds. Now, a lot of that, Russ, he's been playing in the middle at I center know. until recently when Frost came up, taking draws, however. And he's also been killing penalties. So what's your grade for the captain? Well, he is their best face-off guy, but he shouldn't be. He's the best in the league. <laughs> yeah, but he shouldn't be. Like, this guy, when you put him in the middle, it's going to affect his scoring at his age. It just is, because guys are faster than he is. He's got to make up for that. On the wing, he can freewheel it. He gets a C, because he should have more points, but I get why he doesn't. He's doing everything he can. He just has to play better in the sense that be a little more effective. But he's given the team everything he has. Yeah, actually, I'm going to give him a – and people are going, oh, there's Martinez again. Martinez, <laughs> oh, gloves. El Capitan. I'm giving him a B- minus for that exact reason too. His uh-huh. res- responsibility level without Nolan Patrick because he's had to play in the middle yeah. is – when the reason why you got Kevin Hayes is because now you had three viable centers. Right. Now you don't. <laughs> right. So you deal – and you've got to move Drew back there, and we'll see if he – I think they're going to keep for the game tonight against Carolina, him on the wing with Morgan Frost. So um, we'll see if that's something that sticks long-term. Uh, Frost right. with a good debut in that goal, albeit in a loss. Uh, so Drew, for me, gets the B-. minus. Let's go to uh, Shane Gostaspare, a much-debated guy. He's one of those names with Jake Voracek that gets tweeted at you and I and everybody else. Get him out of here! That type of thing. Yeah. Where you at on Ghost? One goal, five assists in 21 games, minus five, 18.51 in ice time. He gets an F, and he needs to see me after class. Wow. You're, you're calling for, like, after-school detention. Well, I'm calling his parents. We're all going to huddle up, and I'm going to say, maybe you need to go to another school. It's just not working for you here. Wow. Okay, so you want him to transfer. I do. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give him a D minus. I'm not going to give him the F. I think things changed a little bit defensively for me with him when they brought Phil Myers up. Like that game he played with Sam Moran was an absolute disgrace, not just on him, but also Moran and the situation to put those two together. I thought was a foolhardy decision by Vino. Yeah. Um, and it was a mess. Um, but since then, when Myers came up, he's kind of settled in a little bit defensively, but for a guy, he's not scoring. But, 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 yeah, that's the thing. And for a guy, and you always hear from the analytics people, well, he drives offense, and he's <laughs> going to give you points. So you can – if I got a guy that I need to, offensively from a defenseman that can't defend well, and that's clear he can't, and he's not giving me offense, that's a bad combination. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll give him the D-. minus. You were much harsher than me. You want to see his parents. Um, a guy that got called up this year after not starting the year with the team is Joel Faraby. Now, Farabee has had some moments that he wants to forget, like that pass uh, across the middle to the defenseman and a transition down the other end the other night. But Farabee overall, 15 games played, two goals, three assists. Hasn't looked out of place. But what's your grade for Farabee, all those things considered? C-. minus. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that game the other day, if this Flyers team was a stacked team, would probably get him sent to the minors. If you yeah. think about it. Yeah, it could. It could. If they were stacked, not... he wouldn't have been called up, though, either. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think it's a sad commentary when the team has to use younger players to spark the veterans. It's not supposed to work that way. No. To his credit, he's been moved around, 
he really needs to be on a line with like consistent guys for a week or two at a time. Yeah, four or so five games. Can, so he can gain chemistry. Yeah, the thing is for me with him too, and you're right, I, I think everybody's been switched around. And cl- I think I'm skating the wing with Couturier tonight. <laughs> and I think I'll have success because anybody that's next to Couturier has success. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to give him that poor of a grade. I'll give him a C plus because he's shown the flashes. But I agree with you in the sense that you can't be leaning on those young guys to carry the mail. And that's what Elaine Vigneault talked about. Right. He, he, I, the fact that he just keeps calling out JVR, Voracek, and Kevin Hayes, t- to me, it's incredibly refreshing. And here's why. Because those players heard it before he said it to the media from him pro- public, or privately. Right. And Elaine Vigneault, I got to tell you, I've been so impressed with him. And we'll get to his grade coming up. Yeah. Because I love the way that he's handling things. And I got a lot to say about it. Um, all right, so we're on from Farabee. Let's go to another guy who's off to a great start. 21 games, 9 goals, leads the team in goals, 7 assists, 16 points. That's Oscar Lindblom. What a find in the fifth round. A+. plus. Yeah, me too. A+. plus. He shouldn't be their best or second best player, but he is. In all zones. In everything. In yep. everything. Scoring, defense, making PK. things happen. PK, everything. Yeah, he, boy, I got to tell you, yeah, the nine goals is incredibly impressive for him. Oh. You know, when he first came up in, in his first camp with the Flyers, and every year you saw it get a little bit better, but it looked like, he almost looked like Yuri Laterra lugging a piano up the ice. Well, he, he lost just, ice time to Yuri Laterra. <laughs> well, that's a whole other story, <laughs> but you're right. Um, but looking at that, and you look at the fluidity which with he gets up and down the ice now, he's worked on his skating, and it's made all the difference oh, in the yeah. world in his game. Because he always knew where to go. It was just a matter of getting there. And he's stronger. Like, he was always good along the wall. Now he's great along the wall. Yeah, he really is. He's so good below the goal line. Oh, yeah. Uh, smart player, too. So, Lindblom, he gets the A-plus from you. I concur. Um, all right, let's go to a guy who's been maybe not the Flyers' best player the last couple of years, but I would call him the most important player outside of the goaltending position, and that's Sean Couturier. 21 games, 6 goals, 9 assists, 15 points, a minus 2, 1903 in ice. B minus. Mm. There, there have been great moments, and there have been moments where I feel like he didn't show up. And it's not like he's making huge mistakes. He's a smart player. But I feel like at the end of games, with the extra attacker on the ice, he's not giving it every time. Like, there was a game a couple of games ago. I felt like he was coasting at that point. I didn't like it. Maybe he was dead on his feet. It's possible. But have you noticed that where sometimes when they're when they're trying to come back from behind with the extra guy out there, he's either gangbusters or not, but I don't see an in-between with him. Yeah. I've been – I expect so much out of him. And maybe just the play-driving ability that he has as the center has been a big catalyst for Konechny and Lindblom. So maybe that we should grade him considering their success because of what he does in the middle yeah. and what he does defensively so well to get them out of their zone. And he's, and he's getting a ton of defensive zone starts. You see it every time. Key situations, his line's right back out there. But I don't know if the shoulders bothered him, Russ, or, or what. I mean, it was. Yeah. I don't – yeah, I, I can't give him an A. I'm just going to give him a solid B. Okay. Uh, but he needs to get better for this team to, to – really be a, a bona fide contender to make the playoffs because I think he's their most important player. He is, and he could be better than what he is right now. 
Yeah. No question. Yeah. I mean, only six goals at this point on pace for 24 this year. Um, a guy the last two seasons has gotten uh, 30 or more twice, uh, two times in a row and also over 70 points. We'll see if he can really pick it up. If he could, that could be a huge jolt for this team. Um, yeah. Real quick, the two signings this offseason are trades, Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun. Let's start with Niskanen, 21 games, two goals, seven assists. C. C, huh? I give him a little higher grade than that. I think he's well, stabilized back there. I'll tell you why. Uh, ever since the maintenance day, I've noticed a real, just before that, and definitely after a slowdown with him on the ice speed wise. And he might so be dealing with something. He could be dealing with something, or it just could be the mileage that you worried about with him coming. Like he still has a really good shot, but we knew he's not going to be a 60 point defenseman. So occasionally he'll get some goals and points. So are we worried about the mileage 21 games in? I know the schedule's been I am. bizarre. I am. Wow. I mean, have you not? No, he, he, you're right. He, he looks like he's a little uh, not as uh, you know explosive as he was earlier in the I'm season. I'm going to take I'm going to take Jonesy to task a little bit. Like the other night, they were like, "Well, Barkov's playing with like a different gear." Well, it looked like that because nobody on the Flyers could t- could handle him. Yeah, he he was and, in fifth gear, and the Flyers couldn't get out of third. Correct, and I'm not saying this doesn't happen, but they made. Barkov looked like Connor McDavid, which was a little much. Yeah, and okay, I want to say something about that real quick too. Um, everybody, Barkov's not underrated anymore. When every no. conversation is, this guy is so underrated, and you're talking no. about him, he's not underrated anymore. No. If you follow the sport at all, you know who Alexander Barkov is. You know what oh. Sasha can do in the shootout. You oh. know that he is an incredible player, a Selkie candidate. Selkie guy. His hands are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying – Niskanen matching up against top pairs is starting to fade a bit. Yeah, wearing him down a bit. Uh, what about Braun? No goals, three assists in 21 games. A D, a solid D. He's earned a D because, you know what? I don't know what he's doing out there other than, yes, he plays tough. That's great. I just don't see it. Adding to the complete group, is he better than Andrew McDonald? Sure. Is he better than Robert Hag? Yeah, this year. Is he better than last year's Robert Hag? No. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm I'm a little down on him as well. I give him a D as well. Just because, like, his angling to me is befuddling sometimes. Now, he's not a fast guy. Yes. But, geez, he takes the wrong route so many times. I go, why are you taking that route? Just ends up on the wrong side of the play in the D zone too often. Right. I never thought I would say this, but – Right now, the way the Flyers are constructed with the injuries and everything, they're a little too slow at center and on the blue line yeah. compared to fast teams. Yep, no question. And speed's everything. Um, Sanheim, where, where are you at on Sanheim? Because he's had a couple of gaffes this year. like Almost like a player was playing a prank on him and putting tape on the bottom of one of his blades of his skates. Yeah. Cost C- the Flyers minus. three goals. Yeah, C-. minus. Uh, I expect more from him. Definitely more offense. It just seems like he's hesitant to shoot. I think he's playing okay defensively, but he could play better. He just, he could give a lot more. He could. And maybe if he's not, then maybe we've overvalued him, but I'm not ready to go there yet. Yeah, I'm not either. What about uh, Elaine Vigneault? I I give him an A because I'm looking at, I pulled a, a sheet from last season. And so like on defense... 
how much has really changed? Provorov, Gossespierre, Sandheim, all still there. All right, Robert Hag doesn't play as much. Myers. You know, Myers wasn't on this particular sheet. So, yeah, you've got a couple changes there. Are they definitely better as a group? Marginally. That's but you're it. not also trotting out six goalies by this point. Right. So that's a fair thing. But I also look at their at the forward group. I mean, Giroux, Lindblom, Couturier, Boracek. Lawton will be back in a day, so we'll call him back in there. Basically, he hasn't had a chance to really coach a different team. This is like a retreaded last year's team. So I have to give him an A because he's he's doing everything he can. He's called them out. I feel like he's gotten some wins out of them that they didn't realize they could do. But it's a hard job right now. It really um, is. Yeah, no question about it. I, I do too. I love that. Look, a lot of people kind of go, well, he keeps changing the lines, you know, shift to shift sometimes and period to period and obviously game to game. Because he's trying to gain an advantage and it's hard to do it. Yeah, and the guys have been inconsistent. But to me, the the reason why you've seen so much movement on the roster, guys going up and down, whether that's Torinsky or, or Chris Stewart coming in and coming out and, and all of those is what the, he and Chuck Fletcher are doing is putting players in every conceivable position and combination to do one thing, assess who can play his system and do what he needs them to do. And once that process is complete, and it's unfortunate that it takes games to be able to learn that, but that's the fact of the matter. And they're lucky that they're wild card too while they're figuring that out. But what he's doing, he's going, who can play my my system with who? Right. And if you can't, and we know that you can't, and we're figuring that out right now through your play, then it's going to be ship out of here time. A ticket right. out. Now, is there a reason you didn't do the goalies? No, I just I forgot. And I just, I just remembered okay. that. And I was bringing okay. up uh, some numbers actually on that as we, as we were talking. But let's do that. Let's go. We talked about Brian Elliott. We'll get to him specifically. But let's start with Carter Hart. Came into the year with so much expectation as a 21-year-old. And we know that, uh, you know, in that league, it's tough. He's going to have some bumpy spots. But overall, the play of Carter Hart for you so far this season. I'm going to give him a C. And I think I'm being generous because, like I said, when the start of a game, especially on the road, is shaky, it's hard for a young goalie to overcome that. And so the structure in front of him has not been great in a lot of those games. Yeah, he's 6-5-2 six and five, six, five and two on the season, a two seven two goals against average. He's got an eight ninety six save percentage and uh, one shutout. That was the first home game, real home game, against the Devils where they won 4 to nothing. Right. Um, so, that's, I mean, the save percentage has to come up. But that's been those overwhelming situations. I'll give I'll give him all things considered uh, a B minus. Okay, I'm not worried, but I'll give him the B minus. Now Brian Elliott's played in 11 games, four two and two two seven two, same goals against average as uh, Carter Hart, and he's got a nine thirteen save percentage. I'm going gets, A here. He he gets a B plus. Okay. A um, B plus. Okay, that's solid. I, I way more than that. I would have expected. Way more. Yeah. Well, with the, the situation, too, when you look at teams, like look at a team like uh, the New York Islanders, right? Yeah. They've, they've split their goalies evenly, e- literally every other game. Nobody's played yeah. two in a row. <laughs> it's amazing. Sure. And that's Barry Trot's system. And you look at a team like Boston where you have a goalie like Tuka Rask and Yaro Halak. 
right? And they both have great save percentages. Arizona, Darcy Kemper there, and also Antiranta. You look at that and you go, well, are they both playing great or are they really good defensively? I think it's the latter. It's a lot. It's the latter. Um, I mean, Holpe Samsonov is a real good one. I mean, Mm -hmm. the defense helps. We've seen it help certain goalies when, like when the Rangers' defense was great, did it make Cam Talbot look that much better? Sure. I mean, we all knew that. But for the most part, the goalies that you said are really good goalies. Yeah, and they're really good when you can control things and good positioning and second-chance opportunities. And and that's where, you know, the game goes haywire. You make the first save, but it's – do you have good defensive zone coverage to eliminate – to be able to clear a rebound or tie up a stick? And when you see a team like the Islanders who two seasons ago – had the gave up the most goals in the league. Then Barry Trotz comes in and puts in his defensive system, and boom, they shave 102 goals off year to year. Robin Lehner and uh, uh, Thomas Grice didn't look like they could stop a beach ball from the blue line the year prior to, under Doug Waite. And then last year, they were the best two goalies in the league. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you the biggest indictment of this Flyers team was, you know I go to both locker rooms. I'm one of the few guys that – that reporters, I should say, that that do that. And Cal Clutterbuck, I was interviewing him, and he basically, even though the Flyers had gotten that goal in the second period, it was like maybe they're only shot. He felt like they won that period anyhow. And he goes, look, sometimes you go through a whole game and you're just going to lose that game because your shots don't go in. But we went into that locker room knowing we could win. Yeah. We were down 3 nothing. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that's when you know you got a team that's vulnerable for the comeback. That's super confidence on their part, but also if you're playing facing the Flyers, what exactly are you worried about right now? Yeah, where's the real threat? Well, and especially when you consider that none of it's been consistent. I mean, you you could say, hey, watch out for their top line. Okay, that's fine. That's who fair. is the top line? <laughs> that's the question right that is the question all right so then more specifically watch out for Lindblom and and connect the rest just cover them man you'll be all right (laughs) there you go all right that rust that wraps up our quarter season grades but let's get to the quarter season awards chuck fletcher oh yeah chuck fletcher i'm sorry who's been very busy up down sideways he gets a d you're giving him a d why chris stewart well even forgetting about Chris Stewart, which has not worked out in his favor. Uh, why does he have to bring up guys up, down, up, down? Because he spent to the cap. Yep. That has sort of hindered what the team could do. So basically, he filled like three or four spots and was out of money. How has that worked out record-wise? Yeah. No, that's a good like, point. Dollars for wins. How is that? Eh, it's not great so far. No, it's a good point, and the, and the Stewart thing tied tied their hands a little bit. So it did. Um, yeah, so I, I I'm not going to give him that low of a grade because the one thing I do like is that he's bringing guys up and down and That's, allowing his yeah. coach to put players in different positions. That's fair. That's so, fair. Um, all right, let's get to the quarter season awards. We do the awards at the beginning of the season for the major categories like the Hart Trophy, also the Calder, Vesna, Norris, and Jack Adams. So let's start with the big one. Let's start with the who's your MVP through the uh, quarter poll. It's a really good question. Uh, I'm really, 
I'm struggling a little bit on this one. I kind of, I kind of want to go Nathan McKinnon because without Rantanen, he's still doing pretty great. I know everybody's going to want to, everybody's going to want to say Connor McDavid. I get it. No, not me. But, but Colorado's really staying in this race without their second best player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a case to be made because they are, he's got to carry the mail. Yeah. Um, and I agree. He's, he'd be one of my top three guys, but to yeah. me, the other top three guy is McDavid. You can make a case for Pasternak because he's just unbelievable. Yeah. 19 goals. Yeah. But Leon Dreisaitl, 44 points already is insane. It's incredible. And he's playing alongside McDavid who probably. And that's where I think I count it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just a little. 16 I mean, goals, 28 assists, 44 points in 23 games. I mean, McKinnon's got 31 in 21, because remember, he was hurt too. Yep. He's got 13 goals in 21 games. Yeah. He doesn't have a McDavid. No, not right now. Not right now. Or never. <laughs> He's got to be that's, McDavid. That's my, yeah, exactly. That's my hard push. Okay. I got Dreisaitl. You got uh, Nathan McKinnon. Who do you got on the Calder? Oh, I mean, it's Kale McCarr. I mean, my, Not even my, close. my preseason six had McCarr on it, had both Hughes brothers in it. Uh, but I knew when the season started, McCarr was the guy who I was favoring based on what I saw in the college hockey championships last year. Right now, he's running away with it. Like, I'm telling you right now, he is a Norris candidate. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll, well get, he's let- more than a point a game. Yeah, you look. You look at his plus minus. You look. It's not like they're. Sh- I don't believe they're shielding him at all. No, nah, it's a good point. I mean, look he's at that 2017 draft. Oof. And he's right. And he's not going to win the Norris, right? John Carlson's going to win the Norris probably, unless something weird happens. But I'm just saying, he's gone even beyond what the Calder is. Remember back back in the day, Barrett Jackman won a Calder as a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Who would you take, Barrett Jackman or Kale McCarr? Yeah, I think, look at you know the, it's so funny that draft, you know, yeah, the, the first round. So he sure goes one, Nolan Patrick goes two, and then yeah. they said the drop off was very pronounced. How about Miro Heiskanen, McCarr, and then Elias Pettersson? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I never said the drop off was was that way because I had been getting word that Heiskanen was that great, but I didn't have him that high. I think I had him eighth. Mm-hmm. And I had McCarr somewhere like 11 because McCarr was playing in the AJHL. And, you know, I found out over time, hey, they're allowed a certain amount of overagers. And then I got to see him a bit more. And I was like, all right, you know what? I get what Colorado's doing here. Haskinen's been beyond, I think, even what Dallas thought he could be. I mean, he's just been tremendous. But, yeah, that draft, I, I still think Patrick – could have been better and might still be better than Heashier. But it's going to take a lot now. There's a little bit of catch-up that's yeah. going to have to happen. And there's a lot of uncertainty. <laughs> it's not like he. It's not like is a superstar. He's not. No, no. And they gave him the deal like he was. Right. Which is very interesting. All right. Um, let's get to uh, the Vezina. Your favorite category. Carry Price. You're going to carry Price. Okay. How are they still in the playoffs? Yeah. Well, he's got 10 wins. Right. Which is How? Tied, tied for second. They that, just lost Drouin. Yeah. Like, how, how are they doing it? Go look at the defensive pairings on that team. I dare you. It's – come on. Yeah, other than Shea Weber. I mean, they have a few guys. They have Petrie and mm-hmm. – but it, it's not great. 
Yeah, you know, it's amazing. He's tied with 10 wins with a couple of guys, including Peter Morazic and Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. But, and Hellebuck's doing great. Yeah, that's me. my guy. That's the guy that I'm taking I, right now. I don't blame you. Yeah, and his, his look at that blue line, Russ. No yeah. Bufflin, no Tyson Barry. I mean, they're playing AHL players on that blue line. They're giving up high danger chances. His, I think he's got the highest GSAA in the league, goals are saved above average. And well, he's been incredible. That. He has. So Hellebuck is my guy. I, another guy I'd have to consider will be, will be Flurry. He's got 11 wins already. He's playing too much, though. I, I, we keep saying that. And he looked like a guy that was trending downward in Pittsburgh, which is why they moved on from him and kept Murray. But since he's gone to Vegas, he's been revitalized. This is now three years. I know, but if he's going to play 65 games this year, because he's right up there with, with the league lead in games. Yeah. And at his age... Not a great combination. Yeah, I was listening to uh, our good buddy Mike McKenna, who we've had on the podcast, on the Six yeah. Degrees Mike McKenna podcast, and and he's covering Vegas. And what he they said they're doing out there is they're limiting his practice time, the amount of shots he sees in practice. So Mike has had to get in the net and be the practice yeah. goalie. No, I love that. But the problem is what we see is, like with Flurry the other night, he's making these unbelievable scrambling saves, that diving save. That's the save of the year so far, yeah. Yeah. If he has to do that every couple games because his defense isn't fantastic, it's going to take a toll on him. Well, it's not only that. It's not only the defense. He also put himself in that position. Oh, he, I mean, yeah, <laughs> his aggressiveness. Yeah. But, but their blue line's not great either. Yeah, it's no not, question. It's, not, it's a problem. Uh, we agree on the Norris, right? We're both going John Carlson. Yes. Who, who frankly, could be a candidate for uh, MVP. For the heart, yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what he's done so far this year. And you could say, well, he eats on the power play, right? Eight yep. goals, 28 assists. But when you look at power play points, now he's got a few power play points. Um, all said and done, power play points for him so far this season. He's got two goals and 10 assists, so 12 points. But the fact of the matter is he's got 36 points. He's still, Oof. if you take those power play points away, he's still leading the NHL in points for a defenseman. Crazy. That, that, those are just insane numbers. Yeah. What a player. What great signing when they extended him and got him locked up there in Washington. All right, the Jack yeah. Adams. I'm going to surprise you. It's going to be Jared Bednar. That's exactly who I have. Wow. Because he's dealing with all these injuries and young players. Oh, he's a done ton. a tremendous job. Yeah. Wow. So we agree on Bednar. My second guy was probably Trotz, even though he won it last year. And they won't no, give it Trotz to him. would be second. Yeah, Absolutely. They won't give it to a guy two years in a row. I mean, they, they do, but it's rare. Yeah. Usually that's like a one and done type of. In this. In the modern era, yes. Yeah, they don't like to give guys repeat. You know, no. they go, well, at that point, you have the best team. So, but Bednar. But I believe Quenville, Quenville more, won it more than once. Okay. Well, and Babcock, I think, and I think Babcock won it more than once, too. Okay. Um, real quick, does Babcock coach again this year? No. You think he sits the year? The rest of the year, yeah. I'll go bold prediction. I think that he will coach again this year. Okay. I think Where? there's a lot of teams looking over their shoulder right now, coaches right now. When they see, okay. You know, coaches and teams that are struggling, when they see a coach go early at the quarter pole, it irritates them in a couple of ways. One is, uh oh, somebody fired their coach already, so I could be next. Right. So, you know, the seal's been broken. And then two, uh oh, Mike Babcock's been fired, one of the best coaches in the world, even though it didn't turn out to be a success in Toronto. He's a potential replacement. Yeah. I just think he's a coach, and no matter what, he's just. You can go, well, he's going to get paid all that money to sit on the beach. Well, if he goes into his next contract and commands $4 million, he still gets the other $2 million a year from Toronto. So he's still making $6 million no matter where he goes. Yeah, that's true. 
So it's mitigated. And I just think he's oh. a guy that wants to coach. I wonder what Sheldon Keefe is making now. Because Mike was up to eight a year, I think. I thought it was six, maybe eight later in the contract. I'm not maybe, sure. Yeah, but it was in that range. I wonder what Sheldon's making. Well, he was the highest paid AHL coach, but I'm sure that got tore up and he's going to get a new deal. Yeah. And he's Dubas's guy. But if you look at team like potential teams for a guy like Mike Babcock, Tampa Bay. Because he's not going to go to a rebuild again. He's not going to go but they're not to another fire, situation and go. But they're not going to fire gonna be Cooper. Pain. They won't fire Cooper in season. All right. They're 9-9 nine and nine on the season, basically. 9-7-2. Nine, and, and right now, they are below the Ottawa Senators in the standings, albeit they've played four less games. Yeah. But other teams you could look at, like Laviolette's not going anywhere in Nashville, is he? I mean, John Hines, but I don't think Babcock would take the job. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. All right. Um, is there anything else we need to get to, Russ? Is that it? Do, do we tackle – oh, we didn't get to our Hall of Fame categories. No, right. And there was one other loose thing. And also, look, Mike Babcock might hold out for Seattle. Yeah, it's true. He could really shape the roster, get in there now, and start helping to shape a, a Mike Babcock roster. Yeah. And seeing the success of Vegas doesn't make you go, well, this is a, you know old-school expansion team that's going to be a ton of pain for like five years. And he did turn the Leafs around. He did. We have to give him credit for that. Yeah, I guess to some extent, albeit it's a failure. When you bring in Mike Babcock for that kind of money and you don't win a playoff round, that's a failure. He was there to bring a parade. I know, I know. My quick blip here is Henrik Lundqvist yesterday, amazing game against Washington. He is now tied for fifth all-time in wins with Cujo. At one time, I I did the math years ago, and it may have been when I did my 100 Range of Greats book with John Halligan and Adam Rader and – I said, you know, there's an outside chance he could catch Brodeur. Now, he's probably not going to do that, but he probably could end up third. Yeah, yeah you're not going to catch Marty. No. That's just too much to ask. You know what? We're going to save our, our Hall of Fame things for the next episode because i got to right, get a couple Twitter questions in real quick. Okay, go ahead. Uh, American Wit uh, tweets in and says, when is G and Voracek going back to their spots on the power play? Huh. That would be the left wall for Drew, the left half wall, and the right quarter point for Jake Voracek. Not for a while. See, I think they've kind of rotated a few times into that position, but yeah. Um, Tim Tobin says, is the Gaudreau chatter real in general real, or is it realistic? What's the offer to get him? We talked about that off the hop. Not realistic. I don't think it is at this point either. Um, Joshua Hudson goes, how much losing and lack of scoring before we, before a trade happens for the Flyers? American Thanksgiving, I think, they would target to make a trade. That would be one week from the day we are sitting here right now taping this podcast. Yep. Chances Voracek gets moved this season from Mark at Behaviorist on Twitter. Point oh 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 one. You think so? I think it's yeah. I think it's higher than that. I'll give it's, it a thirty percent to be part of it. Who's pack. fitting it in? Well, that's that's part of it too. But uh, I think that you got to add prospects, and that will be something that will be explored. There's not a lot of teams, even even the Coyotes, can't swallow contracts anymore. No, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, they actually have a pretty good team right now. Yeah. John Chike has done a good job there. It took a little while, but he's done a good job. Yep. Um, okay, uh, Big Bad Bully tweets in and says, why do you refuse to put Giroux on the left side on the power play? Him on the right clearly doesn't work. Well, they've been pretty good on the power play. Yeah, they're not awful. Uh, I, I don't have the answer for that, I'll be honest. Okay. Uh, TB Flyer says, if Nolan Patrick's health doesn't take a turn for the better and several Flyer forwards continue to slump, how long before the Flyers give? He he tagged his buddy here as the 3C. But what do they do with the 3C position? 
Well, Lawton's coming back. Is that a good option? It's an option. <laughs> it's your only option to, to keep Jeru back on the wing. Right. But it's not I a mean, good option. I know, but think about this. I may be willing to do that to get Jeru on the wing to get more points because it's holding off his points. Yep, to, to get more offensive punch from him and that correct scoring. Yep. All right. Well, good job on the questions, Russ. That was a rapid-fire situation, and you did beautifully. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Some of your best work here on the Stick to Hockey Podcast. That's episode 60, everybody. We'll talk Woo! to you next time. Yeah, that's cause for celebration. We'll get to 61 sometime here in the next couple of days. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your hockey.